What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? Hi there, it's Paul, and you're listening to What the Footy, the podcast that takes football fans behind the scenes. Here is what I have lined up for you to to see Kira, Ella, and Georgia in that midfield for the senior lionesses. One is a proud moment, but two, it just shows the direction that women's football and and the England team is going in because the young players, but Serena's putting confidence in those players to go and and do a job, but also perform on world stage. It's the What The Footy podcast. I hope you love it. Not like it, I hope you love it. Download, subscribe, rate and review, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Let's go. Knew Sam Allardyce liked me, but I didn't know it was to that extent. Imagine being a kid in primary school, now it's a putting off. Powerful people, and I think they need to recognise that, but then also they need to be represented the right way. Sport in general is nothing without fans. Uh, Based on one single source of revenue alone, that being the TV. Let's just win this to appease the fan. How you doing today, AJ? Thank you for coming on the What The Footy podcast. Good to have you. No, thank you very much for the invite. Nah, thank you. But we uh, we start off the show with this question, which is what is football to you, a business or a sport and why? Oh, I think it's a tough question, but I think my love of football um, relies on like the love of the game. So I love football. I love watching it. I love playing it. I've been brought up through football through my whole life. Uh, my dad played, my dad coached. So that's kind of how I got into it. But Football for me is is a passion and it's a it's a hobby, but also it's a full time career as well. So I'm really lucky to have it from all aspects of the game. But I think for the women's game now and the way it's going, I think you have to love football and I think you have to be passionate about it. So for me, football is definitely um, something I do because I love it. But I also want to be an influence in it. And I also want to leave a legacy as part of my role in it as well. So, yeah, I definitely love the game. Yeah, and I can see you love the game because you've got your uh, tactics board in the background as well. Um, but yeah, AJ, I was I was really keen to to get you on here because I was really encapsulated by the by the women's Euro. Been a big fan of women's football for a long time as well. And um, I think for me, this podcast has always been about the people behind the scenes that are doing great stuff that people tend to maybe not know what they're doing and almost shining a light on that. And when I kind of saw that some of the amazing players who who kind of helped us to win the Euros over the summer, like the Kira Walshes, the Georgia Stanways, the Ella Toons, and and you were influential in that sort of setup. I was just really keen to keen to get you on here and um, just just sort of take me back to to your time at Blackburn. I know I believe you started out there as a player as well and kind of worked your up into different roles, coaching and as a technical director. Just sort of talk to me what it was like in those early days the infrastructure, the resources, and just what, what it was sort of like in terms of working there. Yeah, just a um, tactics board in the background, just for reference, it's because of lockdown. So we had to go a lot of our um, technical planning um, online. So um, I'm definitely keen and we've got a tactics board in the background for anyone who's listening. But yeah, like you make me sound quite old there, Paul, in terms of some of the jobs that I've done. Oh, so. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that, that, that was not part of the plan. Sorry. Um, so yeah, so in terms of my journey, like it's been it's been an incredible journey that I've been on and I'm fortunate to have the people that have mentored me, supported me through my journey. Um so yeah, I'll take you back to like my playing days. So obviously I started as a player at Blackburn Rovers. 
Um, and the manager then wanted to take me from um, the division below into the, the Premier Division back then, obviously before the Women's Super League and before the Championship. So um, I took a risk and obviously went into, into the Premier League. So I'm one of those players that like to be a bit of a big fish. <laughs> um, so I decided to move, but it was an incredible um, like decision to make as well. And I, I was really fortunate to work, play alongside some incredible players back then, but also some incredible coaching staff. So not only through my playing days, um, but I also learned a lot from them in terms of how I want to be as a coach and how I want to, um, uh, how I want people to see me as a coach as well. So that was really, really useful, obviously coming from that background. And then while I did play, I worked alongside the Centre of Excellence back then. So I started as the under 15s assistant coach um, and then worked my way up through the pathway. I was then head coach of the under 13s. Then I went back up to the 15s as head coach. And then I went up to the 17s as head coach. So I've kind of done the whole pathway, really, um, working alongside some amazing coaches along the way and, and some excellent technical directors. And again, it's it's what you take from the journey and what you take from different people to kind of drip into your coaching style or your leadership style and the way you want to have that infrastructure through through your like coaching program and your development. So, yeah. And then from there, I worked way up, my way up in terms of the ladies team and I was head coach of the Blackburn Rovers ladies first team probably for about my first stint was three seasons um, and it was really, really tough. So we went in um, in a relegation battle. So I got brought in partway through the season um, by Gemma Donnelly, who's currently still the manager now. And again, a lot of my successes and my career is is down to Gemma. And I owe her a lot. And I always say it, she's been a very good mentor and she's given me those opportunities to develop. Um, but yeah, we went in um, as a relegation battle and it was really tough. I had to be a player coach back then. Um so luckily enough, we had Kira Walsh in the, in the first team then, and that was her first exposure at, at women's football. And we just avoided relegation um, to stay in that Northern Premier League. And I guess we just kicked on from there. So me and myself and Gemma just said, we're never going to be in this position to get again. And we had to like revamp our structure and the way we wanted things, our style of play, get a real identity. Um, so we started to bring in these experienced players who've who've played at this level and we know that can be competitive, but also have that success within them. So I was with them for about three seasons, but unfortunately we just didn't hit it over that line with the, with the first in I was in. So I stepped away from it um, because I wanted some other exposure in, in technical director, the opportunity to be um, successful in that role um, as technical director. So I put all my energy um, and my leadership qualities into that to develop me in an area where I felt would help me in the future. Um, so going along that path, we're fortunate we had Ella Toon and Georgia Stanway within our pathway then. And I've worked with probably Georgia Stanway um, within the Centre of Excellence and the Regional Talent Club for about four or five seasons. And Ella Toon came in, in into our club around under 15s and came through our pathway from 15s into 17s and then obviously played for our ladies team and I think the success of of those players and the journey was being able to transition them into our first team at 16. Um, not only we knew that they could cope but we also knew it would be something that they need to learn early because uh, obviously long term we didn't think we was going to keep hold of them but we also knew that we had to we had a duty of care to develop them um, but what I must say, though, through their pathway, it's not only what we did at Blackburn, it's what's been done before us. And 
I think everyone needs to hear this from grassroots football um, to mixed football to school environments, um, people who've done one-to-one coaching. Every part of that player's journey, they've all they've had a success in and they've helped that player develop. We've just been a small part of the player's journey. And like I say, myself, I've been fortunate along with other staff as well to have a real influence in, in probably more so Georgia and Ella's journey um, around what challenges we set um, what homework tasks we give them. But I must say it was down to the players' drive and motivation and, and willingness to be the best player on the pitch week in, week out and do the things off the pitch around nutrition, uh, sleep, recovery. Um, and we just knew they were going to be superstars right from the off. But I think as well for anyone listening, everyone's journey is different. So if you look at Georgia Stanway's journey, um, it's a little bit different to Ella Toon in terms of they both moved to Man City. Um, Georgia got a contract a little bit earlier than Ella, um, but obviously Ella went away and stayed with Blackburn Rovers for another couple of seasons to develop and get minutes under her belt. And then obviously the success came through where she was offered a, a contract at Man United. And if you just look at them both now in the England women's senior team flourishing, um, obviously had an absolute um, excellent tournament at the Euros and, just to see Kira, Ella and Georgia in that midfield for the senior Lionesses, one, is a proud moment, but two, it just shows the direction that women's football and, and the England team is going in because the young players, but she, Serena's putting confidence in those players to go and, and do a job, but also perform on world stage. And I guess the where we want to get to now is to perform consistently and, and win consistently. So it's a very exciting time for women's football. Yeah, no, that's that's some of the stuff that you mentioned there were, were sort of super useful. Just sort of talk me through that that sort of journey and evolution and, and the sort of grounding that that gave to, to to some of these players that you mentioned. I think the one thing that came out of Blackburn Rovers is we didn't have the amounts of money that other clubs had. Um, but what we did have is we had dedicated staff. We had staff who knew how to develop players, um, whether that's, with without money, I think budget doesn't matter. It's what we we utilize within our own system, and I think that's probably the one thing that stands out with Blackburn Rovers. Is if you look at players now that are playing in the Women's Super League, the Women's Championship, Tier Three, um, even overseas, Blackburn have developed um a lot of players that have come through the system. Um, and if you look at Blackburn's first team now, there's probably quite a handful as well who's playing in that Women's Championship who again have come through the RTC. So Blackburn are very renowned for the development of the players. And like I said, it's not about the money that we had because we didn't have loads of money, but it was about how we we utilised our programme, what we set our players, um, our training environment, the relationship for coach and players. And I guess that's that's the biggest thing is around your infrastructure. You don't have to have all the money, but it's about the programme that you de- you develop and your talent identification and knowing that pathway through through your like system um, and also creating an environment that players are going to also be challenged, but also enjoy themselves because players are there to learn, but they're also there to have fun as well at the end of the day. Yeah, and no, that's useful. And, and I'd be keen to understand because of some of that success that you mentioned in terms of creating pathways for players, not even just in terms of your first team, but also developing players to, to move on as well. Did you sit down and consciously think about a DNA on like what does a Blackburn player look like? I know you've been doing some work as well with England in terms of like lioness characteristics, but did you sit down and think about that stuff or was it just down to just 
having having that sort of training methodology as you mentioned no it was a bit of both to be honest obviously we want to have an identity we want to have a style of play and the players that we bring in um obviously have to fit into that but also as well we were quite flexible because um we was working from top down so what does it look like to be a blackburn rovers ladies player uh, what characteristics characteristics are we looking for? What's the style of play? Can the person fit into our environment as well? Like, what do they bring to this environment? Are they going to fit into the coaching style that we bring? So there's so many factors that we need to consider at the top, but obviously that will filter down through um, through our RTC programme. So what does it look like to be a 16s player that might be capable of stepping into our ladies team and I guess it's um, having a good talent identification program. So we ran trials within our program and we knew exactly as a coaching staff, what are we looking for? Um, and we also had education in spotting talent because the first thing is, is how you spot talent. And then the second thing is, is when you've got the players, how do you nurture and develop these talent? And can you spot potential? And what does potential look like? Yeah, no, that's super useful. And, and just sort of in terms of obviously, I know, uh, Georgia and Kieran ended up moving on to uh, moving on to Man City, and then yeah, and then obviously Ella moved on to Man United. What's what's the what's the academy and sort of pathway structure like now in terms of obviously uh, rewarding teams like yourselves who help to support and develop those those sort of talent pathways for for, for players like that to then move on to to other clubs. Yeah, it was really difficult back then to keep hold of the players because, like I said, we. Blackburn Rovers, we weren't offering paid contracts at the ladies' first team. So what we prided ourselves on is players wanting to play for us. Um, and that's something that Gemma Donnelly did really well. She had a group of players that wanted to be there. So like I said before, unfortunately, we wasn't successful um, in a couple of seasons in going up in, into the championship. But we didn't lose players. Players still stuck by us because of the ethos that we had, the mentality that we had, but also what we brought in and around our group of staff and our group of players. And I think that's the biggest thing in women's football is if you can keep hold of those players that are going to provide you with success. And they stuck by us and obviously it paid off. So um, my last season before I left, we managed to win the league um, and obviously gain promotion into the championship. So again, it's another proud moment for myself. But the team that we had, we've kept them for four or five seasons. So we knew at some point it was going to happen. So that's the that's the biggest thing in terms of keeping that success. But we knew players through our system like Georgia Stanway, Ella Toon, Kira, that we just we couldn't keep hold of them because we couldn't offer them a full-time program. Um, so we knew that they had to move on. And I remember the conversation I had with with Georgia when she was telling me she was moving. Um, she was quite scared um and upset that she was telling me that she was gonna move on. And I think the past that the reason being is because we built up a real good relationship around me developing her as a player, but also the trust between us as well. So um, she knew she still knows where she's come from and she's still humble in the fact that she's a Blackburn Rovers player and came through Blackburn Rovers. Um, so it's something, again, we really find fascinating moving forward. So hopefully in the in the future that these clubs who are developing these young talent get a little bit of compensation for for the work that's been done behind the scenes and the years of the hard work and, and the graft. And I must say Blackburn Rovers stands stands out for play, play development, play nurture. 
No, that's super useful. We're going to touch on, on some of the stuff that you mentioned there in part two, but it's now time for one of my favourite parts of the show, which is what the footy are you lying for? Could you take me away with your uh, your three statements? Yeah, so first one, um, I have played in the same team as Farah Williams. Okay. My wow. second one, I have played in the Women's Premier League. And my third one, I've been involved in women's England under-17s and under-19s international training camps. Oh. I give you some tough ones there, but yeah, I'll give you a little bit of a clue in some of the things I've been saying. I'm going to say the last one's true. Um, under-17s and 19s camps. Uh because I, I I tried to do a bit of my research beforehand, kind of st- like have, have a look at have a look on the socials. So um, I think the last one's true. Um, the women's Premier League. Um, Farrah Williams isn't Farrah's the all-time England most appearances, isn't she as well? Yeah. Oh, what clubs did she she play for? Uh, she played for Arsenal, didn't she? Yeah, so she played for Arsenal, Chelsea, Everton, Reading. Oh, that's the thing. I didn't do my homework on what teams you played for. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, do you know what it is? Because I think it's one of them ones whereby if you played with Farrell Williams, that legend of the game, <laughs> I, I feel like you'd want to you, you'd want to say that you did that. So I'm, I'm going to go with that one is true and the middle one is a lie, but we'll find that towards the end. We'll find that okay. towards the end. Hang fire with the answers. Hang fire. But yeah, just touching upon obviously some of the stuff that you mentioned in part one and obviously your work sort of with Georgia and Kira and Ella as well. I'd just be curious to understand your perspective on, especially with your sort of your FA hat on, in terms of we've had great success with the Euros. You want to develop more players, create more pathways. What do you what do you sort of think about this current trend we're seeing now in terms of we've seen Georgia obviously just signed for Bayern Munich, we've seen Kira go to Barcelona, we've seen Lucy Bonds go to Barcelona. How do we continue to retain our top talent? And what do you think is the allure of these sorts of players wanting to go over to, to, to the European leagues? Is it because of how good those teams are in the Champions League and how they sort of compete in there? Or just, just sort of curious to, to kind of get your take on that? Yeah, so obviously within my role within the FA now, um, part of my role is talent identification. So we're developing a new strategy around going and finding players that are in different environments. So historically, we just used to find players that are just in our regional talent clubs, which for me is amazing now that our strategies are going out there and finding kids that are playing in mixed football, um, girls that are playing in girls' grassroots leagues, in schools, on the cages. They can be in any environment and they can have a, an opportunity to be seen by myself and other FA talent technical coaches through our pathway so we're going a little bit more diverse as well. So hopefully that kind of shows the direction that we're moving in as an organisation. But in terms of the players that are playing in our Women's Super League, I think some of these players want to go and experience different cultures, a different way of life as well, and a, a different way of playing. And I think it's it'll only help our women's national team that we're having that exposure and players are going out there and finding um, different teams and different cultures and playing against different opposition. I think it'll only help develop us as a a nation but also develop them as as people but also footballers as well so I think it's a positive as well it gives a lot of opportunity for our young players that 
um, need an opportunity within the first team or an opportunity within the championship. And I think it'll only develop players that are within our international system. So I, I, I think it's a positive. And I think a lot of the players who do move probably move for Champions League football. Yeah, no, I think that's 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 useful. And I think it's also fascinating as well how you sort of mention looking for talent in different places because I think, especially growing up in sort of inner city London, I think, like you mentioned, cage football is massive and some of the talent that you can sort of unearth in those sort of pockets. And I think there was even a, a documentary about the type of profile of players that France have seen coming through because of the big cage football environment there. Like, yeah, well, if you look through our, our pathway as well, we've had some case studies done. Farrah Williams um, played on a cage. Um, other players that have come through different pathways as well. Um, Chloe Kelly came through playing on a cage, spoke about how she had to like um, manoeuvre past bins and stuff like that. And it's a way of life. And I think sometimes kids have stopped doing that now as much and, and kind of um, gone away from that and more gone on to computer games. But for me, it's... That's the way you develop that. You're playing against older kids. You're playing against kids who are bigger. You're playing against boys a lot more. And I think we need to kind of go back into that as well. And, and players need to see that as it's a development area. And we're definitely going, obviously, more around any environment, any opportunity. And that's why we've kind of come up with our Lioness characteristics. And they're, they're very top headline, but they're to give players the opportunity to kind of put the foot through the door and have an opportunity to be seen within our pathway. And we're running some events in, in different regions and just called discover my talent events and players that have been referred to us, like I said, they can be in any environment. They don't even need to be playing as a team with a team. They can be playing at school. School teachers can refer any player. And I think it's just amazing that fact that any player now, um, any young player gets the opportunity to be within our pathway. And it's, it's a stepping stone and, if you we we live by this motto, if you can see it, you can be it. So we want to obviously create more diverse um, opportunities, and we want to make sure that our teams are more diverse as well. So we're definitely moving in the right direction to to give players more opportunity from any environment, any playing setting. Um, so yeah, no, I think I think that's really useful, and just sort of building upon that. What do you almost see as the sort of the legacy and future for women's football, obviously post the success of, of the Euros? Because we've seen different sort of things come about, whether that was Ian Wright, which I think rightly so is talking about the opportunities. And I think the, the England team wrote a letter to the uh, Prime Minister at the time, sort of talking about opportunities for, for girls in school to be able to play football. Um, we've seen different people talk about a WSL breakaway. There's been... Obviously, Leah, Leah Williamson came out and spoke about people coming along to WSL games and and trying to, trying to drive attendances to you. And obviously, some of the stuff I've alluded to. What do you see as the real real sort of points for for legacy in the future of the game? I think it's showing now that like the Euros has been a massive boost for this nation. Um, not only boys, girls, anyone, just to have the opportunity to play football in school and even more so girls, because it's where it starts. The love of the game starts in that primary school setting. So if we can give more girls the opportunity and more girls opportunity to play in teams, um, make new friends. And I think it shows as well at the attendance in the Women's Super League now, we're hitting records in, in England. And that's come from the back of the success of the Euros. So if we can continue to have more success um, with the World Cup and and really develop women's football within England in terms of keep pushing these 
um, ticket sales and promotion and media and let's get more games on TV. So not only can the young kids watch it, but also adults, male, female, and have it more accessible for, for, for people to see. And that's what's been a boost about the FA player. Like you don't need a subscription. You can just go on and, and watch the Women's Super League games. And if we can get that out, that out more and, and shout about women's football, I'm sure it'll only continue to grow and, and the game within England will become, will become powerful. No, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. There's definitely opportunities to commercialise. We see more and more sort of sponsors coming in as well. And um, and yeah, hopefully more and more success can come from it, really. I think it's come down to more full-time teams as well, more opportunity, because like I said, back when I was playing, there was very limited full-time women's teams. So the accessibility now, the opportunity and and just what's put into the women's game. So not only are like you get coaching staff now, but they have their own physical performance coaches, goalkeeper coaches, nutritionists, psychologists. And the way that it's moving now um, to 10 years ago is is by far leaps and bounds. And I think that's the the boost of the players that we're producing and the athleticism. And, and we talk about like the demands of the game for us to be able to hit those demands. We need to be hitting them in a, in our Women's Super League or our women's championship week in, week out, so we can compete with the likes of the Americans, the Germans, and all these big, big teams on the world stage. But definitely one of our aims is to do it consistently. Um by doing that is 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 by having that um competition and that um the league being competitive week in, week out. No, I couldn't agree more, couldn't agree more. But it's now time to reveal your answers to uh, what the foot are you lying for? I'm so a little bit nervous. Go, <laughs> do you want me to go my two truths and then a lie or? I think go go through each statement in order and then tell me the sort of the story behind it and then and then we'll kind of work out the answers. Okay, so I will go for the first one I said. So I have played with um, in the same team as Farrah Williams. Um, unfortunately, that was uh, a lie. I've not played with Farrah Williams. I wish. Um, I've played against her, um, probably never got near her to get the ball off her because she's an absolute baller. Um, so, yeah, I've kind of put that statement because I played against her a number, a numerous amount of times when she played for Everton. Um, and I've played, been around Blackburn, been around other teams as well. And she was just a standout player for me and someone who I looked up to, to being like technically gifted. And if you're talking about talent, Farrah Williams has got it in abundance, not only left foot, right foot, but she can just... She just distributes really well, and she sees the game as 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 a as a footballer, and she's just so intelligent, and just what she's done through the game, and and she's been a pioneer as well. So it's definitely someone I've looked up through through the game. Yeah, just even touching on that, like who who would you say? Obviously, you mentioned Farrow in there as well. Like who who are the players that you almost looked at as your your kind of idols and people you sort of aspire to be as sort of role models in the game when you were sort of coming up? Yeah, so it was Farrow Williams, Kelly Smith. Um, and obviously playing alongside in the international camps with Karen Carney. Um, I, I was alongside some amazing, amazing players, Anita Asante. And it was just really, really tough back then to break through. But it was the the calibre of players. And if you look at some of the players now and what they're doing for the women's game. So Farry Williams, um, Karen Carney, and, and they're still involved in women's football because they show the passion and they're pioneers from um what's been before but also they want to continue that um in future to come 
No, that's great to hear. I had uh, Laura on the podcast and she said that that Karen was someone who she looked up to when she was um, at Chelsea in the early days. But uh, but yeah, take me through the next one that I got wrong painfully. <laughs> yeah, so my um, I've played in the Women's Premier League. So obviously I played for Blackburn Rovers, who we played in back then was called the Women's Premier League. So I was fortunate to play in the Women's Premier League, which is top fly, obviously playing against like the likes of Arsenal and Chelsea back then. So for me, it was a pivotal part of my journey uh, as a player, but also as well kind of knowing what players have back then to why we develop and progress players in the future. And I think you don't always have to be a player to be the best coach, but I think it does help. No, that's super useful. And the, uh, the, the last one that I got correct... Yeah, so I was involved in England under seventeens and nineteens on the training camp. So yeah, I was I was really fortunate um, to be involved with uh, the the national team at the under seventeens and nineteens level. So obviously attending Loughborough uh, on training camps. So obviously we didn't have St George's back then, so we went to likes of Loughborough, Lillyshaw, um, just to have our our training camps and. Like I say, the facilities now that we have at St George's are like just exceptional for the players. The players home to go and train on on those pitches, have the facilities, um, be on one complex for the young girls um, that are coached within the pathway to see some of these senior lionesses in and around St George's and seeing the male players as well. It's just it's a great atmosphere and it's a great environment to be in. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. The final question that I ask all the guests is what the footy needs to change or happen within your space. I think we're moving in the right direction. Um, I think changes are being being made um, and I'm really fortunate to be in the role that I'm in now where I get to go out and, and watch these young talents come through our system. And again, whether they develop within our pathway all the way through or they come in and out at certain points, I think the game is changing. Um, our way of thinking is changing in terms of we're not just going after players that are already in our academies but we're going after players that are playing in different environments. And I, what I would say is this is only our second year doing it and it'll only improve and we'll see that diverse pool coming through. We'll see um, the quality of the, the and the depth of players coming through our system. So I wouldn't say that it, it's something that we need to change. It's something that's evolving. I would say watch this space in the next four, five, six years time around some of our youth players that have come through a discover my talent project and they're kind of making their way through the system so it's an exciting time for for women's football and it's for me i'd love to go back and be 13 14 year old child again to come through this pathway and have the resources and the opportunity that's been given and what i will say is the people that are on the ground the grassroots coaches the teachers the community coaches are doing a fantastic job um and i always say it to them like how special would it be if they can refer someone to us that have got on our system that have come through our pathway. So for me, it's it's an exciting time and and something that we're evolving and something we're building on. AJ, thank you so much for, for your answer just then to the what the footy question and brilliant having you on the podcast. I think you've been a great advocate for the women's game, the stuff that you, you were doing at Blackburn and good to see you doing well at the FA as well. And thank you for your time. No, thanks very much for the invite and uh, good luck for the rest of your podcasts. Cheers. Thank you. Yeah, I hope you loved it. And guys, please, please, please remember to subscribe on your chosen podcast platform to hit five stars as well. 
Appreciate the love every time. Hit me up and I'll be back in a fortnight for the next episode. Have a blessed week. Peace and love every time. Let's go. What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? Knew some other guys liked me, but I didn't know it was to that extent. Imagine being a kid in primary school. Now it's a putting ass. Powerful people, and I think they need to recognise that. But then also, they need to be represented the right way. Sport in general is nothing without fans. Uh, based on you know one single source of revenue alone, that being the TV. Let's win in the league. Let's just win this to appease the fans.